0: This is the basketball show with Shane the Hammer Heel. What
1: are they going to say next?
2: Hello, and welcome to the basketball show. I'm Nathan Strempler. A big thank you to our partners bringing us here today. Uh, TCL Mobile 2K23 UPC Oz a big shout out to our media partners, News Corp and KO Freebies. Joe Healy and Shane Healy on the bench today, but I am joined by New Corp number one basketball guy, Matt Logue. Matt, it's great to have you. Thank you, yeah, mate. Great to see you here and uh, mate, plenty to talk about in the great game of basketball. Nice to jump off the bench and you're right, so
3: much happening in hoops. Uh, it's a good time to be alive. It really is, mate. I know you've been busy as well, so we appreciate you You know, you're helping out. The great Dirk Nowitzki, you, you've been a bit of a speaking tour around recently and you were the MC, mate. What an honour.
2: Yeah, it's good. Uh, a couple of events in Melbourne, one in Sydney with Dirk Nowitzki. Big shout-out to two-time Olympian Chris Anstey mm. and Chris Feeney bringing that together. First of all, they brought Luke Longley out. Then a Josh Giddy, sorry, the other way around. Josh Giddy, Luke Longley and Dirk Nowitzki. And, and his resume speaks for itself. Ah. When you talk about the all-time scorers in the NBA, it goes uh, Kareem, LeBron, Carl uh, Malone, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. And then Dirk Nowitzki comes in at number six. So it was great to spend uh, time with A guy with a pretty impressive basketball CV. Absolutely, and a good follow by the sounds of it as
3: well, so that that helps.
2: Yeah, absolute ripper on and off the floor. He brought his family out here in Australia. I think he's travelling somewhere in far north Queensland (laughs) as we speak. But let's get underway with the hot topics this week. Time now to move into the starting five, Kara, our friends at TCL Mobile. And let's start it off. Big change in the NBL this week. I mean, a few weeks out from the end of the season, no more Rookie
3: of the Year award. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I know plenty of people have said that they like the change. It simplifies things. Um, but I think you, you can have both awards. I think, that, but I think regardless, there needs to be a Rookie of the Year. It's the NBA does a Rookie of the Year. It's prestigious. And I think it should stay that
2: way. Adam Ford coming out saying he doesn't like it. Sam Wardenberg was in the box seat, but now he's
3: saying it changes it only a few weeks out from the end of the season. Well, that's my, my biggest complaint here. I think if you're going to do it, then do it at the end of the year. Don't do it with three weeks to go where the perception was that Sam's in the box seat, and then suddenly now the perception is that Sam Froling's the favourite because it reaches it out to 25. But Sam's in his third year. I get it. But I just think rookie is a rookie, and it's... You it should reward the rookies.
2: Well, personally, I like the clarity, but I think you're right. Maybe it needs to be done during a season break. Mm. Talking about the season, though, what a cracking NBL ladder. Mm. Finals expand to six teams this year. Adelaide, I, I think, are now
3: done. So it's it's yeah. seven going to six with uh, the season end coming near. It's fascinating. For starters, like, disappointing with Adelaide, but the run home is, is, is great now. I think we're going to have a shoot-off between the two Melbourne teams. And I'm leaning towards well, the Phoenix getting there, but they've still got to get past Cairns. We've well, still still to get two Melbourne teams. Melbourne
2: United might be the hottest team in the league right now. Adelaide with championship or bust. They are bust. And <laughs> who knows what happens there in the off-season. But Melbourne United absolutely flying. And mm. how good if we had
3: fifth versus sixth, a play-in game that was a throwdown? That would be amazing. In fact, I'd love to see it. I think one of them will miss out, sadly. But you're right. United are the form team of the comp. Can they... Get there and then go into, go on and win, and and, or you know go and be competitive in a semi-final series. They've got the talent to, the form to. Whether they've got to get there first. Um, if I had to pick right now I'd go at United over the Phoenix because I think the Phoenix's run home is harder I, th- I think Cairns will be tough and then the Kings that's that's really tough Yeah well
2: United in, in great form and, and talking about moving the ball more Chris Golding said we're moving the ball more which uh, I think Liam Santamaria references he's touching the <laughs> ball more but United look great Perth another form team but you mm. mentioned that the Phoenix perhaps dropping a key for them is the loss of Ryan Brockoff as mm. we go to air yeah, no official word but uh, mm. I think Ryan Brockoff is, is done for the season and, and I really hope this is not the case but that might be the end of Ryan Brockhoff's career I don't think there's any guarantee he decides
3: to go again next year and he is so important to what the Phoenix do. Well, it's a really great point because he is off contract I spoke to him recently and he, it was up in the air that so he'll deal, deal with his future in the offseason but that groin injury doesn't look good um, which would be sad like you know he's had such a great career NBA career as well and let's see what happens there but in terms of what it does to the Phoenix well Takes out a pretty a, a shooter. Like I know he hasn't been at his best, and that he'd admit that. But it's still a big loss. And whether the Phoenix can get it done with Mitch Creek carrying them on his back, oh, I don't. I'm not sure. Well, they've got Trey Kell back, Gary Brown back, Sauce Williams
2: playing well. But the intangibles off brings could be costly for the Phoenix mm. coming towards the business end. Now the other team slipping, uh, clear in top spot. We see the Kings lose two in a row.
3: <laughs> it's big. I think there's a, I think in the mentally they know that they're there. The little asterisks has come up and they're in the finals. But they play, played against a Perth team that were desperate at home. They had to win that game. Uh, and then same with like New Zealand. Credit to New Zealand. They had two players out, two key players out, and they came to Sydney, got it done in front of the biggest crowd this year. Um, I'm not overly concerned about the Kings, though. I think they can, they can steady and they can get the ship right and they've got time to do that. But it poses the question, who are their biggest threats? Like, oh, I, in a series, too. Yeah, I think a wake-up call ahead of the
2: finals is the, the best thing for them. But we have seen a New Zealand and Perth can go with them. Cairns match up with them well, too. Mouth-watering matchups mm. going to the finals. But one team we mentioned don't think will be there.
3: The Adelaide 36ers yeah. now. So, uh, what, what's next for them? Oh, I they've got to take a good, hard look at themselves. And I think, like, CJ will come under the microscope. It's the second consecutive year under his coaching reign that they've missed the playoffs. But... I think the front—it's the front office that there need to be question asked about the front office. You know, they, mm. despite denials, they have spent <laughs> more this season. That like, and and I think they need to look at the chemistry is a big factor. Look at like Craig Randall came in this year. I, I think they moved too slowly on that. I, I think um, they've recruited like Franks and Cleveland, um, but they also need to look at how it works within a team structure. It goes to show you can't just buy talent sometimes, and it. It, it, it doesn't just work straight away. Like I think they need to be smarter and savvier about how they go about that. It's look, it's a big discussion because I think Adelaide, the drought's there and they're savvy fans over there. They love their basketball and they're not they're not happy. And fair enough, you're adding Ian Clark and they just couldn't get it done. I think the run was too late. They needed to make a run on Randall, a decision on Randall earlier, yeah, in my opinion. Definitely some
2: questions to ask in the offseason. The biggest question I have is what does Josh Giddy have to do to be included in the <laughs> TCL Mobile starting five? But that is the starting five care of TCL Mobile. Breaking
0: all the big news in basketball with Matt Loeb.
2: My favourite part of the show, our friends at News Corp Media. The man himself is here. It's time for the log down.
3: The NBL making history this week. Matt launching NBL champion Pride rant. Yeah, look, fantastic stuff. Obviously, Isaac Humphries uh, came out. You know, was gay, and um, the way basketball responded to that, I thought, mate, was you know, was was terrific. Everyone like, wrapped their arms around and said, mate, like, no dramas. Like, you know, he's a terrific fella, great basketball player, and, and that shouldn't matter. But to make him feel comfortable. Um, Hopefully, pave the way for others. I think there's a, you know, it is a, still an issue in men's sport, isn't it? That um, we've seen in women's sport, and particularly in the WNBL, you know, flag bearer for this for this sport, um, it's not an issue. There are a lot of female athletes that are, are proudly gay, and it's just not a concern. It's not a, a mention. But the fact that in men men's sport it's still this massive issue is is a concern. So things like this hopefully can help break down barriers. I suppose such a, a huge
2: stigma. Uh, behind it. So for Isaac to be a pioneer, hopefully that opens the door for others to be uh, open about who they are. And, and yeah. I think that's the, the essence behind this uh, Pride round is to champion the idea of choice. Yeah,
3: a- a- absolutely. And, and I think that obviously we do have to mention you know, the NBL um, ma- let the clubs make the decision. So they said, we've, we've got the Pride round and they've, said they've left the decision with the players to decide if they will wear it. Um, and obviously we've seen in the past, you can see here with the little logo, that's what the players will be wearing on the, on the, on the champion logo and it's got the, the pride colours, the rainbow colours. Um, and you know, my understanding is you know, there are some players that have expressed you know, concern, but the vast majority of the league have said yeah. It's not a concern. It's a logo. We'll, we'll play, we'll support, uh, you know, a great cause um, and, and a great campaign, as you say, to help people. Uh, but as we've seen, it, it can get divisive at, at times, and that's really unfortunate. Um, we've seen with the Manly situation in the NRL, you know, seven players for religious beliefs decided not to wear Manly's pride jersey this last season gone in the NRL. Um, and And I think I can see where sometimes it could be hard because you don't want to out those players. You don't want to say, oh, you know, you're a bad person because of that. That's their individual choice. But my understanding in the ambulance, not a major issue. And as I said, the vast majority have have said it's fine. But I, yeah, my understanding is there are some players that have just said like my religious belief, and um, those discussions will be happened. But she's like, again, I do stress like it would be very unfortunate and really disappointing if those individual players then copped heat because that's. Their, their choice like
2: yeah one well, of the same banner we need to champion the uh, ability to make choice and for someone who holds strong to a religious belief they have a choice there as well yeah I, I think we've learned a lot i think i still have a lot to learn i think we as a broader community have a lot yeah, to learn and this top. is a step of, of progress in that yeah you'd hope so and and the nbl pioneering change as they do now with pride round and they have done with the next stars program yes. and a big name on their radar for next season.
3: Yeah, well, this was sort of joked about a bit. No? Like, um, Bronny James and LeBron and I think Paul Smith, there was a bit of a meme within a King's jersey because obviously Bronny James is, you know, the next uproar could be a step for him to the NBA and LeBron wants to play with his son. He's made that clear. Mm. And it was just laughed at a bit. People like, and I get the people being cynical. Well, my colleague Mick Randall down in Melbourne, shout out. He's spoken to the boss, Larry Kesselman, LK, and he said... Larry has said that I'm, we're speaking, the NBL is speaking to um, Bronny's agency, and hes he, said, you know, it's, he knows it's going to be hard. It could be a long shot, but they're actually in the mix. They want to have a chat about coming and playing in the NBL as a Next Star. Now, imagine that package. <laughs> I know a lot of people will be cynical, and you understand that, but if the Next Stars program has shown like what it can do, look at some of the names, Lomelo Ball, mm. et cetera, et cetera, Bronny James hey, just put it out there. And Josh Giddy's just referred to as et cetera, et cetera, these days. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think the beautiful thing is that there's a conversation happening, and I believe there was a very real conversation with Victor wemben So yeah. the fact that Liam San Maria now in his role as GM Next Stars is having that conversation, uh, it's nice to know that we're at least in the mix when it comes to Bronny James. Matt, you've always got the big news on the lowdown.
3: Oh, mate, we, we, look, we do it, we do our best. But uh, look, as I said, like if you can get <laughs> Bronny, um, and, and Wemben-Yama, and that was actually in the mix. So, Jeremy told me that. He, they offered him a contract and everything. So, geez, imagine that. Exciting stuff happening in the NBL. Well, there is the latest with our
2: man Matt Logue from News Corp on the Logue Down. What a round of NBL we've just had. We now look forward to the penultimate round of the season. D-Ruck, we'll start with you on crystal gazing. First game up, Southeast Melbourne hosting Cairns.
0: Woo, this is a tough one right away. I'm going to go with Southeast Melbourne. I think they'll be more desperate. Cairns, they're pretty much settled into the second position. So uh, the Phoenix to get this one.
3: Matty Lowe, Brisbane hosting New Zealand. Hey, look, credit to Brisbane. We accused them of everyone playing the bye, but they've aimed up and they deserve some credit for that. Um, But New Zealand, terrific performance without players against the Sydney Kings, Jarrell Brantley. The bank was open on the weekend, and I think it'll be open again, and they'll be, yeah, they'll be too good. (laughs) Well, out of New Zealand, beating Sydney. That
2: next game is Tasmania hosting Sydney. And now I have a huge amount of respect for the jack-jumper system, Mm. but the Sydney Kings have now had not one but two wake-up calls, and they are loaded with the firepower. Watch them in this game and for the rest of the season really ramp up towards the playoffs. Uh, Derek, back to you. Perth hosting Illawarra. Funny, I'm going against both
0: of you guys in those past two choices. I'm going with Brisbane and Tassie. Okay. And in this game, I'm going with, yeah, I'm going with Perth here. I think uh, on on their court, right? They're out there. You see how that arena is starting to pop again, Matt. That game against Sydney was outstanding. One of the top three, four, five games of the season. Perth to go home again.
2: I like the big call from Derek Rucker calling Tasmania. That will mean three straight losses for Sydney. Moving on, we go New Zealand hosting Melbourne.
3: Yeah, again, I think Melbourne will be desperate. They have to be. They're in a shootout with Phoenix, but I think New Zealand. Um, I think I was a bit concerned last week that they dropped off a bit and they were potentially going to completely drop out of calculations. But as I mentioned, Brantley. And a big shout-out to William McDowell-White. There were like six MB, NBA teams with scouts there at, uh, in Sydney on the weekend. And McDowell-White was awesome, and, and I think he'll continue that form. And he's one to watch in the postseason too.
2: We we wait the uh, report on Sha'ili, but if he's playing, I think Melbourne can take that. I think they've been the form team of the season. Uh, Next game is Cairns hosting Brisbane, and I'm going with Cairns. Brisbane found a little something this last round, but but Cairns now, I think, ramping up towards the playoffs, and at home, that atmosphere is electric. This is a a franchise that's never won a championship, and I think they've got a sniff, so I'm going to go with Cairns against Brisbane. Moving back to you, Derek, it's Tasmania hosting Perth.
0: Ooh, these games, oh, man, they don't get any easier. I'm going to take the jack jumpers on their floor. I didn't think they looked too good the last time they played at home, but they'll make up for it this round. Uh, Scott Roth knows how to push this team. I imagine a, a, a relatively low scoring game here as Tasmania tries to crank up their defensive intensity.
2: So uh, it's a tough one, but Tasmania. Tacity to win that, and uh, according to Derek Rucker, coming off a three-game losing streak at Sydney hosting Southeast Melbourne,
3: it's a big one. Like uh, you know, the Phoenix—it <laughs> depends on other results, doesn't it? Really, like um, what their mindset's going to be. They lose to Cairns, they're done. Um, but like I think the Kings—I I agree with Nate. I, I just think they um, these two losses are the kick up the bum they needed. Um, they've already qualified. It's hard not to let that creep in. And and they need to get that desperation back. If they want back-to-back titles, then they need to go and win this.
2: And and final game of the round, Cairns hosting Adelaide. And I just see Cairns getting that win against Brisbane, sitting up there now. Look for Robert Franks, look for Antonius Cleveland to have big games as their playoff hopes are done, but they're gonna come out large. But I think this Cairns team are are rolling. They're playing with confidence. Keanu Pinder now to play himself back into form, coming off injury, so I've got Cairns getting it done against Adelaide. Uh, Derek, how do you feel about those last few? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that, that one's going to be interesting, Cairns Adelaide, because if Adelaide are well and truly out of the mix, it, I, I'm curious to see what CJ does, if he kind of starts to play some younger guys. You saw Nick Marshall get into the game over the weekend. I wonder if he'll change up his, his outlook on coaching that team and start planning for the future.
2: Hard to pick. We've just seen the last round, pretty much every underdog get up in the NBL, but that's our take on Crystal Oops. Gazing. Now we move into points made by UPC Oz. We've got our man Derek Rucker and my man Matt Logue next to me here. And to start off, the Kings coaching staff, they're all out of contract next season. What does that mean for Chase Buford? Is Kevin Lisch the next man up if he is to go? Wow, this is a tough one.
0: I'm not so certain that Chase Buford is out of here just yet. Certainly, he is a future NBA head coach, as we know, Matt. With his connections, his pedigree, his talent, and what he has done at Sydney. So I think everything is lining up properly for him. Does he feel like he's ready to make that jump, though? Maybe he has to go over and be an assistant coach on an NBA bench. But I think he's in a pretty good situation. If I was the Kings, I'd be looking to re-sign him. Furthermore, that buys Kevin Lish a bit more time to learn and get accustomed to the coaching game. He's still pretty fresh out of being a player. So I think that's how I look. I bring everybody back. I don't really see any problems there with sydney they're playing well it's a tough competition and basically for the past two years they've been the best team in it
3: yeah like i know there's no doubt that chase is a, a is an nba coach I, I tend to agree with you Ruck. that like i don't think there's a rush on it i th- in fact i think sydney are having conversations behind the scenes about keeping him there for next year um but the question around kevin or i think you know if, if it's Kev's loyalty, he's such a loyal bloke. But I think he's—I think he's got—if he—he's got—he's ready to be a coach now. In some ways, like I think if he gets an opportunity, Kevlish, I'd love to see him at at, at, at another club. And if they, he gets offered a gig, then he goes. Like um, I know the Kings would love to keep him there as long as possible. I don't know what you think, D Ruck, but like I—I I think Kev's—he's poised. He, he, you know, he's, he's like he is as a player, as a coach. And you see, he has got that opportunity. I agree, he's got—he's he, got time to keep going. But I, I think if he can get an opportunity, I'd love to see it.
0: That's the hard part is where. When, um, you know, yeah. the Brisbane job could possibly be open. Uh, you know, there's some rumours about Adelaide. But where is he going to go? And, you know, is someone willing to take a chance on him? Because there is a certain amount of risk. But I agree, he will be a quality head coach down the line.
2: Definitely a space to watch and that whole coaching stuff. Dan Kickett, Fleur McIntyre, as well, the Kings winning it last year. And in the box seat again this year. Let's take a look back, gentlemen, at a trade that was big headlines at the time. Who won out of that Harden-Simmons trade?
0: Well, Matt, this is a really tough one to I don't think there is a loser. I think both teams have come out just fine. Uh, you look at how Philly's playing right now, they're a threat. They're going to be a threat deep into the playoffs. Harden has settled into a role that I think ultimately he enjoys most as a basketball player. Um, He's not the dominant scorer that he once was, but he's playing well and beats the man. And they are, you know, they're a very hard team to beat. Um, The Nets, after all types of drama, are finally in order. Um, Once they get Durant back, they've shown what they can be. Ben Simmons, you know, while he isn't as, what's the word? He isn't as influential, he isn't as impactful in games as, say, Harden is over in Philly, he's still playing a really good role. And the bottom line is that team is winning with him in the lineup. So right now I've got it at about I've got it even, man. I don't think either team has come out poorly from the trade.
3: Not yet, but I'm gonna I just don't trust James Harden. I just I go on the record and say I just don't like I think he, I agree he's settled into that role and that's all great, but I think the 76ers, they won't be a threat when it comes to the playoffs. That's just my opinion. And I still think right. that I still think that Ben there's upside there, there's significant upside there, and he's got better talent around him. I think if, if, if Ben can just get that confidence to get to the rim, because um, he's shown what he can do in defence, he's shown what he can do to make others better, we know that. Um, and the shooting, let's just move on, America. He's not, he's just, that's just not a thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if he, he's got to get that confidence back to drive. If he can get that back, then I think Brooklyn are in a position to win the trade.
2: Well, when we talk about upside, Derek, you're the man on the ground in Brisbane. As they look towards next season out of the playoff race, Aaron Baines reportedly on a million dollars. Would you re-sign him at that rate or use that money to, to fill some holes elsewhere?
0: Well, as far as I understand it, he's actually under contract. I don't know if it's a mutual option or if he has the option, whatever may be the case. But I would probably, based on the past few weeks and Brisbane finding a bit of stability... We're actually able to see what he can do and how he can make a difference in game. He's a big body. If you build that that team around him properly, um, I think you can see what he can do week in and week out. I'd be willing to give him one more year. That's my bottom line, Matt.
3: Oh, no no doubt. He needs to be used more effectively. I think that's one of the the first points. Um, And I think the talent um, around him, I think... They can make tweaks. The big thing here, D-Ruck, is that like, he's on a fair bit of money. So moving forward, it is a balancing act for the Bullets, how they recruit other players because he takes up so much. But if they can be clever about that and then hopefully retain some players that they need around him and then get some key other players, like, I don't know, and this is a problem because Baines is on a fair bit, but like Nick Kay, for example, he's been linked to the Hawks. Yeah. But he's a player that, like, I just, culturally, what he can do on them? Floor. I just don't think they can afford him under the cap, but get him. Like Nick Kaye is the man, as far as I'm I'm, I'm concerned. I don't know whether it fits there, though, with the cap.
0: But Matt, let me explain one other thing. Here's a danger in letting a guy like Baines go. Suppose another NBL team were to pick him up Mm -hmm. and, you know, find a way to really maximize his, his potential in the league or his effectiveness in the league. And then you've got a big problem because that team gets really strong. So, From that perspective as well, I think that's another reason I'd be looking to retain Aaron.
2: Yeah. Fair point there Derek Rucker, there's not that many uh, boomers, medalists and ex-NBA players floating around the league. Last one for you guys here on Points Made, and it's been an ongoing conversation for a long period of time around load management. You saw during the week a fan with a sign, they came to watch Steph Curry play, he got rested due to load management. What do you make of that? Is it important? Are the players entertainers and they owe it to fans to be on the floor if they're fit? Or is it a case of that load management's part of uh, basketball these days?
0: It's really tough. You got to balance this thing out. Look, the Warriors in this in this particular instance, they had played an overtime game the night before in Boston, and Steve Kerr tightened his rotation, only played eight guys, and I get it. Curry and those guys played extended minutes. They fly out, they go to Cleveland, and this is what they got to deal with. Like, it's, it's tough, and I know some people that drive from, uh, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all around the state of Ohio to get their chance to see Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and that whole Warriors entourage. But, you know, I don't know what the NBA can do. Greg Popovich started this years ago. I know you guys love the Spurs, but if you really want to throw some blame at someone, that's where it goes. He started resting guys back then, and now everyone does. And I think they've probably gone too far with it. Maybe you allow each player two of these games per season, and that's it. I don't know how you police it, but it's just not a, It's a very uncomfortable situation, Matt.
3: No, it's terrible. If you're a parent and you're taking your son or daughter and that's their heroes and you've paid the money and you don't necessarily know the schedule in advance to know that there's a game in Boston that, you know, that, and they're going to rest players, um, that's difficult. Yeah. I think it poses the question that the NBA season is too long. It's really, really long. And I get from a broadcast point of view and, it, and it's, it's the best sports product on the planet. It's better than English Premier League. I know I'm biased, I'm a hoops man, but the NBA, it's, it's great. <laughs> But the seasons, it's too long. Like, that's, it's, it's adding to the layers of this load management. The only, right. the only problem
0: I have, Matt, with changing the time is you mess up all the records.
3: Everything's other, on an 82-game
0: basis. You build a 72, it's a mess.
3: It's true. Spoken
2: by a man who played all his basketball in a 48-minute NBL era. I guess if you don't rest them with load management, they miss a lot more games they do go out with injury and then a lot more kids don't see them play. But that is Points Made by UPC Oz. Head to UPC Oz to check out all the latest NBA and NBL odds and markets and their sport and racing promotions of the week. We move on to In-Depth by 2K23 and very excited today all the way from Perth. Joining us is John, really, JR, the real deal. Mate, you mentioned rebounding, but let's uh, go one way or another. The team, the team's shuffled a little. You bring in, in Ty Webster, and I was lucky enough to be in Adelaide growing up when you were shooting the lights out. You came in the season talking about defence, but the way that team offensively, with that th- three-guard lineup, with both Websters and Cotton is playing, you, you guys have been shooting the ball really well, moving it nicely, and the offences look good.
1: For for sure. And, uh, you know, you get asked this question all the time about the defense and how our offense is. Like, you keep score of the game for a reason, but defense plays a huge part in it. Uh, And we're very lackluster in that against Southeast Melbourne the other night. So uh, I do like where our offense is heading, but uh, our emphasis on defense. We need to, uh, you know, we can't have so many lows with what we're doing right now.
3: John, obviously it's well known in basketball service, so you spend a lot of time in the Boomers setup. I'm interested to know how that experience has helped you in the step up to being a, a head coach in the NBL. And as you know, like sometimes when you're an assistant, you can be the friendly guy, you know, you get the guy that goes over the video, but as a head coach, you've got to be the one that makes tough decisions. And, and you've shown that this year, you've had to, you know, bench some guys for, you know, and, and make hard decisions for the benefit of the team. But how much is that boomers experience in that culture has that helped you ride those bumps as a head coach because it's, it's not easy
1: yeah uh, look once i got back around the boomers and you're in that professional environment you understand like your profession is to win games um my job as a coach is to find the lineups and the rotations that work and give us as a franchise the best chance to win Uh, And and these are decisions that you put a lot of time, thought and effort in because it does, um, you know, it does have an impact and a trickle down effect on everyone involved in it. So you want to make sure you're doing the right things.
2: Can you talk us through that? You've you've recently shortened your rotation over in Perth with, with pretty good success. Can you talk us through the mindset of that? And is that sort of heading towards the playoffs, looking to refine that playing group?
1: Well, look, the way the situation we've put ourselves in throughout the start of the season is every game's a playoff game for us right now. So uh, that's that's the approach I'm taking. That's the approach uh, us as a group has to take because, um, you know, we can say we're playing well, but we're certainly not out of the depth of it all right now. Um, so we've got four games left. And, uh, you know, if we don't perform at a good level, we don't make the playoffs. It's as simple as that.
3: John, how have you found, like, Perth and coaching such a fanatical basketball, you know, so successful and the fans, the Red Army, they expect success, have you lent on anyone for advice with, with that, have you just enjoyed the fact that you're in this environment where, I don't think there's many better, like we saw against the Kings on, on the weekend, that, that atmosphere was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, look, uh, to, to have the expectation that there's a privilege that goes along with that when there's an expectation on a, a team, a franchise, a city. Um, so that's something that I haven't shied away with. I embrace. Uh, obviously, it comes with its lumps. Um, but we live and learn uh, now to answer part of the question about who I lean on. Uh, like Brian Gorgie and I talk a lot uh, about... You know the ebbs and flows of it all, uh, the momentum swings. Just not in a game, but like uh, in a in a season, how you can handle them, uh, things to think about, and so forth. And then you know, I've just a couple close uh, friends that uh, from college that uh, you know we we help each other out through the the midst of a season. Uh, and then my family, my family is just so supportive uh, in their own way. You know, so. Um, to have that, I have a very small circle. I trust what I do. Uh, and so I think sometimes you can get caught up in the noise. So if you start listening to everyone, uh, you can't think straight and operate the way you need to operate.
2: Jay I'll we've just come out of Heritage Round. You were a bucket getter when you played. Uh, tell us what the players see that we don't. Are you still competing at training, talking smack?
1: Oh, I talk plenty of smack. Uh, I've, I've laced it up a couple of times for some three on three and, uh, I'm happy to say that my team did taste success on both those occasions.
3: <laughs> In terms of, John, like, the, the you know the, the, the banter there, but like, do you also sit back and, and, and appreciate um, someone like you know like a Bryce Cotton? And I wanted to get your opinion because like there's been so much debate this year around you know MVP and players and that, and I and and I feel like Bryce's brilliance has almost been taken for granted. A, a, a little bit, um, we're, not, we're looking at records as opposed to game in, game out. I want to get your thoughts on on that. Do you think Bryce has been overlooked a bit? And also, too, second to that, do you sit back sometimes and just go, what? like, wow, like I get to coach this bloke?
1: You have to appreciate that. Um, but then also, uh, as, as a coach and a teammate, you just can't stand around and watch. You still have to do your job and not get caught up in the moment. Uh, as far as the MVP race... Um, That's the great debate because um, if you truly believe who is the most valuable player to a team, uh, I think it goes a long way where Bryce cannot be in the conversation at the pointy end of the season. Um, A great example of the other night, uh, his 11 assists against the Sydney Kings. Uh, He's shown this this year how he can uh, carry a team in different ways. Now, if you're purely just want to reward someone who's on the best team on the ladder, that that's fine. But what really is the criteria? And if it's who is the most valuable player to a team like
2: uh, Bryce Cotton, certainly if not, has to be in the conversation of one or two guys. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, a lot happening in the world of basketball. Shout out to our partners, TCL Mobile, 2K23, UPC, Oz, and of course, our media partners, KO Freebies and News Corp. Big uh, care of Matt Logue over here, the the man behind the Logue down. But we we thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next week on The Basketball Show.
0: This is a co-production by News Corp Australia and Closer Sport.